Previously on Incoming Game. But Megabyte doesn't just want to stop Dot. He wants to break her spirit once and for all. And just as Bob foretold in the prophecy, it is, in fact, the Funhouse. And now, the conclusion of Incoming Game. Warning, Incoming Game. Warning, Incoming Game. Alright, welcome to the season finale of Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch... And rewatch ...the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica, a nostalgic. And I'm Ben, a skeptic, but I'm coming around. <laughs> I've never seen this show until now. And I've been a fan for years. Each week we'll take an episode, we'll dissect it, we'll inject some trivia, and we will try to find our frostiest moments. Why do I sound so different today? <laughs> Did you get a new voice actor? I may have. <laughs> This week, we get to finish our last week's episode, Identity Crisis Part 2. What will happen? We will see. I am super giddy right now. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say you haven't had enough sleep? I am running. I woke up at 3 this morning, and I have not slept at all. Oh, my God. How can you do that, Ben? We're around the same age. This is... We're actually bookending, because this happened to me in our first recording for episode one. It did. That's right. I was really low on sleep, and so now it's bookends. So, yeah, it, it's a circle. So one thing uh, I think you'll be pretty excited about, we have lined up next week. We're going to have a special bonus episode. It's going to be an interview with Gavin Blair himself. I am super excited about this. I can't wait. This is going to be so great. Uh, thank you so much, Gavin, for one, listening, and two, sitting down and talking with us. He's one of the three people that correspond with us on Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get, we're going to toss him some questions about season one, uh, about the creation of the show, uh, and his thoughts on his favorite episodes, stuff like that. So tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So let's just get right into this, shall we? Let's go. They had to cram a bunch of stuff into that previously on segment. There was a lot that happened. They did. It really was. It ran for like a full minute of, of show. It cut into it, but it, it was fun to see a previously on. I'm a giant nerd for canon and world building. So like previously ons for me is like, oh man, that's right. That's all the stuff that just happened. Yeah. It's the first time we've actually had something carry over, I think. Exactly. So I, I got a little geeky about it, but... <laughs> So we start right where we left off, exactly in the middle of the funhouse with Bob and Dot mouths agape, and Bob's not happy. It's time to reboot into a clown. Yes, Bob reboots into this goofy clown costume, but Dot is uh, too depressed to even see the point. And then when she does, her even her clown costume is sad and goth. Hey, snap out of it, Dot. Fine, whatever. Reboot. I kind of love her sad clown outfit. It's like even funnier because she's really sad and she's got like this like puppy dog lip as she like looks up at Bob with a little teardrop in her eye. It's just like rubbing salt in the wound, you know? It really is. <laughs> so apparently this funhouse game is very bad. Very bad. Bob tells her to forget about what's happened, which I feel like Bob it literally just happened. Give her a minute to process. They'll be nullified if they don't win. So you got to get your head in the game, you know? I mean, that's true. But forget about what's happened, I feel, is a step too far. But anyways. Right. Well, you gotta push past it. Now is what you gotta focus on. And so she reluctantly follows him, and they dodge exploding pies and hide behind barbershop poles. 
And fuck me, what is that clown? Holy shit. <laughs> the user is so creepy. <laughs> oh my god. They, that, I jumped out of my chair with that. They do the thing they've been doing for a while now with the user characters, making them kind of low poly. Oh, it's super low poly, but they do this weird squash and stretch. His tongue comes out real far. Yeah. It's super gross. They really push the creepiness on this guy. Oh, I hate it. Dot thinks that Bob should go off without her. That she's just going to be more trouble uh, as the user heads off to the first level. But Bob drags her along anyways. Yeah, he's like, you're coming with me whether you like it or not. And back in Megabyte's lair, the PID codes are still being decrypted. It's been a week, you guys. (laughs) But, I mean, everybody is pretty happy at the progress they're making. Megabyte gets called Your Hugeness by Air Doctor. (laughs) Everything is going according to schedule, Your Hugeness. Which is a good good title, I guess. Yeah, I wonder if that catches on. <laughs> and they all laugh evilly as we go back to our heroes. Yes. So they approach this uh, gateway. It's this giant and grotesque clown head. And Bob's like, wondering how to get in. And they get immediately snatched up by its tongue and slide down its gullet. And I don't know if you notice the teeth, but oh my god, those teeth. Yeah, they're they're something. They're all sharp and pointy and like brown. And meanwhile, Fong's just chilling watching this on his view screen, watching everything go down, <laughs> and decides that he needs to intervene. Did we know that Fong could watch people in the games? Does Bob know that he does this? Is this creepy? And we'll get into this, but Fong can apparently exist both in and out of the games. Like, he doesn't need... Oh yeah, we'll definitely get to my disbelief at that moment, too. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? How is he? What? Did we know this? So popping back to Bob and Dot, they're chasing down the user and they approach a room full of mirrored doors. This looks familiar. Well, Bob is chasing down the user. Dot is being dragged along like an ornery child. So is this room the same one from the Dungeons and Dragons episode? Maybe. This room seemed a little smaller. And also they were doors. But it is a lot of mirrors in a circle room. (laughs) So Bob says that one of these mirrors leads to the final chamber, but the others... We never find out where the other one leads. Well, I guess we do, because he opens one, and immediately these snake things come out, and it turns out they're puppet strings, and they puppet Bob off of screen. (laughs) He does this funny little jig as he dances off screen, too. It's kind of funny. (laughs) You're our only hope, Dot. It's all up to you now. So, like, Mr. Super User is defeated just like that. (laughs) They've barely gotten started. Well, he said it was hard, so... (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah, so it's up to Dot. It's all up to me, just like it was before, and I blew it. So she's starting to feel sorry for herself, and Fong sneaks up behind her. Okay, so now we can talk about this. What the hell? (laughs) Somehow he's entered the game just by his own will. How is he in the game? He says he wants to show her something and attaches a device to her temple, which just drugs her up. Triggers a game over, user wins, and everything slows down. Okay, so real quick, there hasn't been a moment in previous games where we've had to worry about them really being in trouble. Like, they've all managed to, like, find their way out of it pretty easily, for the most part. But in later episodes, and I'm thinking of one in particular, there are definitely moments where Fong jumping into the game would have been real handy. <laughs> and he just, you know, wants to use it whenever. He's like the doctor, you know, you can't, there's certain fixed points in time that you can't interfere with. It's all wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Right, you know, I mean, he can't just jump in and interfere all the time. He's got things to do, you know, he's shining his crystals, polishing his gemstones. He's playing Pong. Fong, what is up with you? You're so weird. <laughs> 
So he's deactivated her, basically. Yeah, she wakes up in a crater uh, where the game used to be. The whole sector has been nullified. Uh, and she's not sure how she's there or how long she's been in that crater, but she starts to make her way home, and mainframe is not looking good. No, she's surrounded by, like, a bunch of infected binomes. We see the police state that we saw flashes of last week. Frisket appears with a barcode branded on his rump. <laughs> this poor butt. He whines at her, and he's being led by some strange binome. And I like how Dot doesn't try and, like, free him or anything. <laughs> she just walks away. Well, this whole scene has a It's a Wonderful Life vibe to it, you know? Oh, definitely. And I don't think we're supposed to guess that this early on, but it seems like Fong is just showing her what would happen if she gives up and loses the game. And then we get to see uh, some Bynums point out that she doesn't have the mark. She doesn't have the mark. I thought this was a secured sector. And a creepy eye gnome starts to chase her down and she runs away. And that's when she sees... Her diner. Well, what should be her diner. But it's no longer Dot's diner. It's been converted to Nibbles. Oh, Megabyte. <laughs> I'm gonna need this diner after my pet null. Oh, that's Nibbles. Is that his, uh, his null? Yeah, that's the name of his pet null. I forgot that that was his name. <laughs> his null. Oh, that's cute then. But she goes inside and she finds it to be a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Which, okay, one of them is literally eating a null. I saw that too. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) That is pretty much cannibalism, right? Right, yeah. There's a binome chowing down on a null. The jukebox only plays black metal. And Cecil has been replaced with a faceless drone. Service entry unit 26. At least this one doesn't complain about having to serve people, though. In fact, he's complaining that he's not serving her. He's like, you want to order something, kid? If she doesn't pony up her order now, 26 is going to call the authorities on Dot. So all the binomes start laughing at her and heckling her when she finds out that this is not, in fact, mainframe. This is megaframe. Subtle. Yeah. (laughs) And just as she's reeling from that shock, here comes another. A suddenly very tall Enzo walks in, cosplaying as Jack Sparrow. (laughs) It's teen angst Enzo, complete with the annoying little upper lip hair. Yeah. He's got an earring, a scar over his eye, and a barcode on his forehead. He's had to grow up fast in this dangerous neighborhood. Which he also literally grew up. He is tall now. Yeah, he's... (laughs) How much time has passed is what I want to know. Dot still recognizes him here, but he's all like, My sister, she bit it in a game minutes back. (laughs) Listen, baby, I don't know what you're trying to pull, but my sister's gone. Blew it in a GameCube. Got everybody nullified. Wouldn't he still recognize her face, though? You would think so. I'm not quite sure how this works. I like this. He's like, buzz off, dame. (laughs) You're nothing but trouble. He's apparently also turned into a 20s detective. I want to know, is this still the second Enzo, though? Because it kind of sounds like it might be first Enzo with like a slightly older voice. So there wasn't anyone listed as older Enzo in IMDb. Okay. But in the credits of this episode, we do see Jesse Moss's name, who's first Enzo. Aha, so he's back. So I'm wondering if they got Jesse Moss back to play older Enzo. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I figure that must be the case. So yeah, so he comments on her lack of barcode, saying that she looks like trouble, and how come security's so interested in her anyway? Which Dot just wants to know where she can find Bob. And he he starts laughing hysterically. But he does tell her that Bob lives with old man Fong for level 31. 
but he's got one more piece of advice for her. Stay off his turf. <laughs> yeah, he tosses her out of the diner and into a bunch of those D12s from Racing the Clock. Which he kind of gets the sad clown look on her face when he does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just then, Megabyte appears on screen. He's in full evil overlord now and even has the binom saying, Hail to the Prince of Power when he shows up. I like his look. He's like, Greetings, people of the first quantum. My power be upon you. <laughs> Which, that's literally it. He comes in and it's just like, hi, waits for them to bow and then leaves. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a, this like a daily thing at like three o'clock, you know? <laughs> He has to get his worship. I think he's got some ego problems. So Dot's still confused. Uh, and she happens upon some binomes getting arrested for spraying graffiti. And then here's Fong muttering to himself from inside a data bone box, which has a drawing of Frisco on it. Uh, we get to see a penguin come out. And then we get to see Fong, who is clearly off his rocker. Now don't just don't just gloss by that penguin. That's, that's a specific penguin. It is a specific penguin. I will bring up the penguin later. All right. <laughs> So, Fong is off his rocker. Yeah, Fong is in full uh, Farnsworth from Futurama mode. So so he, he comes out, and he's all gray and jabbering incoherently, and he asks, How is your president? I have a present for her. Is he talking about Hex there? Uh, maybe? Because uh, Megabyte's clearly in charge, and I don't know how much he would share that power with anyone else. She asks about Bob, and Fong goes into his box and goes through, I'm assuming, a giant pile of junk and a cat, and brings out a cage with a little blue null in it. Yeah, he says this null used to be a great guardian back in the day, and uh, Dot is horrified that she let this happen and wishes she had another chance. Yeah, she's finally starting to realize that she has the power to do something, especially when Fong seems to sober up for a moment and pull some wisdom out. Yeah, there's a quick bout of coherence. And he's like, Chance has nothing to do with it. But then he rushes back into his box in a frenzy because he had to go check on his windshield collection. And then the fuzz shows up and they say to tell Lieutenant Cyrus that they found her. Lieutenant Cyrus? Dot has finally got a hold of this information that Cyrus is not very nice. She goes and runs off and hides and she quotes Megabyte. She goes, this is wrong. This is all wrong. This is wrong. This is all wrong. I didn't catch that she was quoting Megabyte there. It's only in every episode of our podcast. I should have totally <laughs> caught it, but I did not. I, I was thinking like, oh, she's like saying this is bad, but she's saying it's wrong. The security eye uh, drone corners her in the alley and puts a barbershop thing over her head. Yeah, the, she gets a helmet placed on her head, which shaves off all her hair and tattoos a barcode on her forehead. And she sees herself in the mirror and has a no moment. No! Which then she awakens back in the clown game, back with the mirror doors and everything. It was all a dream. Fong is still in the game for some reason? Yeah, he was He was there the whole time. <laughs> So he tells her that there's still time. So she runs through a door, which happens to be the right one, I guess. Yeah, I guess go dot. (laughs) And is met with a tricycle with a flat tire. The user obviously let the air out of her tricycle, Mm -hmm. uh, but she's still valiantly trying to catch up. Right. He crashes into some bowling pins and releases a lever, which sends a giant bowling ball rolling towards dot. But Dot evades it just in time to get to the final chamber, which is a water gun race. Yeah, it's one of those carnival, like, water pistol games. And uh, he's getting super close to ringing his bell. So she holds the tube on her water to fill it up really fast and then let it all out at once, which I'm pretty sure is not how that works. Yeah. (laughs) But whatever. 
We'll have to suspend disbelief for that one. She gets a last-second victory. The game ends, and the clown just droops lifeless. <laughs> like, kind of really creepy there, too. Yeah, that was a really creepy moment right as the game was ending. We never see, like, this kind of, like, the game shutting down moment. It was kind of cool that they threw that in there. For such a notorious game, though, there didn't seem to be that much to it. There really is not. Like, I don't see why it was... It's like this infamous, you know, legendary awful game. I mean, the, the worst part of it is the fucking clown face. <laughs> yeah. The, the beginning was tough, and then the rest of it was just, like, really nothing. But we obviously had more more to worry about in this episode than the game. Right. So. <laughs> so back in the real world, Doc confronts Fong, who reveals that he was using a reality distortion device on her, which is what's been causing her hallucinations. Okay, so how is Fong here? <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere. So, like, when I first watched it, I was just like, well, maybe he's not, like, really there. Maybe he's in her head somehow. (laughs) But no, he was really there. He went there. So he explains that the side effects of this device ripple into the past, present, and future, which, you know, he felt it was necessary to use it anyway. You ever heard of Consent Fong? How long is she going to have to deal with these things, the side effects? And I don't know if you noticed. I feel like this is something you normally notice and not me. But Mm -hmm. Bob jumps into frame real quick. Yep. He's like, hee hee. What is that? <laughs> I did catch it. <laughs> Whoa. Nice going, Dot. He's super chipper. He's like, yay, Dot. <laughs> like, one, you almost lost the game. Two, you still definitely lost all the PIDs. Like, this is still not a great moment. <laughs> As he's overhearing Fong and Dot talk, he gets really confused about what they're talking about. But then we get to see another vision. Which is actually a nice one. We get to see the sector become a energy park just like Dot wanted. And Dot realizes that she has the power to affect her own future. And uh, they realize that Megabyte hasn't taken over yet because of the file encryption. So they still have time to stop him. They head off before he can decrypt it. They're almost done. So Megabyte orders the binomes to start being collected. And I guess Bob and Dot off screen hijacked a tank which kind of looks like a boombox in this shot when it comes down. This is the same tank that they drove off with, so they're just driving it back. Oh, okay. And Bob mimics Megabyte's voice to gain entry. He's like, You there! Look lively, or I'll have you deleted! Oh, I don't think it was Megabyte. Just general angry binome, maybe. But then he does quote Megabyte and says, I've always wanted to do that, which we just heard <laughs> in the talent night. <laughs> Everybody's quoting Megabyte today. Uh, and the binos in the back are absolutely terrified until they open the door and see Dot. She reveals that she's, you know, she didn't really betray them. She's still trying to save them. And they reveal that they really never lost faith in her. Yeah, it was really nice. They never believed Megabyte's lies. Now, the part where they were just like, it's fine. I find it a little bit hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> the one that one he's like super like overly. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't don't even worry about it. That we're we, we never lost faith in you. <laughs> we would only become slaves forever to an evil fire. It's not. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But anyway, meanwhile, Megabyte has finally broken the code. But something's wrong. There's no file. Dot got in and grabbed the file from out from under them. Right. We see them all on the roof, and she's apparently hacked into the system to save the IDs before the bad guys could get to them in a bit of quick techno babble. We accessed Megabyte's system. Then I used my organizer password and downloaded the file before they broke the code. 
It's like all of this stuff keeps happening off screen. <laughs> Which we had a lot happen on screen. I feel like if they could have put this in three episodes, they probably would have. But it worked well with two. It's kind of a callback to the first episode, though, where, like, you know, Bob pops off screen and then back on. He's like, hey, I fixed it. <laughs> but then she, in a wonderful moment, gets up on the big screen to show Megabyte what it's like. Yeah, she uses, a, like, the exact same language that he did. And even thanks Cyrus for his wonderful help. His cunning help, yes. She blows a kiss and hangs up, leaving Cyrus to be taken away by Hack and Slash and turned into a shoeshine droid. <laughs> Fucking savage, Dot. And then Fong is entering the PID codes into the sector, and the sector is converted. We get to see the energy park go up, and Bob asks if Dot likes what she sees. She looks at herself in the mirror and says, yes, I do. Oh, I thought, see, I saw it as, like, you know, she's looking at the reflection of the two of them together. I mean, I think there's definitely that little bit of an overtone, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be more like before she was, like, hating on herself at the beginning of this episode. I couldn't do anything right. You know, you're better off without me. I guess I see that. That's valid. Yeah, I thought it was more of the shipper thing. Bob's butt, I'm sure, was in the frame somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, then, that's it. That's season one. So what'd you think of this one? Um, You know, I'm going to ask you first. What did you think of this one? So I dug it. I had some um, ups and downs with it. I think I might have liked part one slightly better, but I think if there weren't any further seasons, it ended on a high note. I felt like the wrap up at the end was kind of fairly quick, but like we were starting to have a little bit of ending fatigue. So it kind of needed it because we were in multiple layers like Inception at this point. Yeah, we were doing a little Inception there. Dot had already gone through the dystopian portion, woke up in the game, beat the game, but then there's still a good five minutes left of show. So they have to go and like defeat Megabyte. And then it's like, okay, we did it. (laughs) But I mean, like, I think it worked. I didn't really have many problems with it this time. Cool. I really liked this episode, but there's so much foreshadowing in it. So when Fong says that this device that he has actually gives ripples throughout the future and the past, we get confirmation that this is literally what the future would be like because of the information that Dot doesn't know, which is that Cyrus is evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this isn't just like an idea of what Dot might think might happen. This is literally like what could happen. Which is really interesting because we get to see the idea of a future Enzo, which is very much like the future Enzo we actually get. I mean, down to the scar, the earring. He's even got like the little bit of facial hair, which later his facial hair will be much more impressive. (laughs) So it's really cool how this is like an actual like not just foreshadowing but like a look into the future that we will get and actually that's true for um the previous one too because all those distorted reality flashes we got last episode were actually shots from this episode yeah and so that was pretty cool too that the device that fong has uh not only shows you the future but has reactions in the past and the future so before he used it she was getting flashes right because it was creating that kind of weird temporal thing There was a neat bit where Enzo tells Dot to watch her step when looking for Bob, which foreshadows that he's a null. Yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, you might actually step on him. So I have some, like, notes for, like, this season as a whole. Like, what what were your thoughts going back and rewatching this? So the season as a whole is definitely not as fun as I remember the later season being. There's definitely a lot of rough patches, especially with those early episodes. The kind of, like, weird gags and the the bad timing and stuff like that. But I'm still so into these characters that I was able to forgive a lot of that because I'm like having so much fun, like remembering these characters. It it was fun going back to it. 
what are your opinions on the season of a whole? Do you want to keep going? Um, yeah, no, definitely keep going. Um, like for me, obviously, like my reactions for each one were my first time reactions. So uh, I definitely saw like you know some definite improvements coming near the end of the season. Um, so like it, you know, it took them a little bit to find their footing. But I thought there was some you know some gems in there, and we we didn't always agree on which ones those were, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, like I think so. I've definitely been been seeing some uh, some growth. Some, yeah, definitely seeing some growth, and um, I'm looking forward to what's coming up. And uh, so, speaking of what's coming up, actually, um, without getting into too many spoilers, like what aspects of the show should I expect to continue, and what aspects kind of disappear? So we're definitely going to see more of the relationship between Bob and Dot. We're going to see Enzo grow a lot. Um, not just physically. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> we get to see him, even before he ages, uh, grow as a character. We get to see him become more responsible and less annoying little kiddish. And we get to see this darker, more serious tone and, and like the stakes get really high. Like It feels like this episode where it's like, okay, well, if we fail, you know, all these binomes become slaves. <laughs> You know, that, that, that's a real stake. Uh, and that continues, I think, throughout the season. Um, stuff we'll probably lose is we already know that we've lost the weird sound effects. I like the weird timing bits. I, I think I'll go back to that stool joke <laughs> as the epitome of, of, of not good timing. Right. And But we're going to keep a lot of the fun gags and like the, the references. And um, I know we get Sailor Moon. We get an episode dedicated to the X-Files. We get some Army of Darkness. I think I've seen like an Elvira clip in there at some point. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff I think we'll have coming up. I'm, look- I'm looking forward to it. I think season two is really going to be a big step up. Cool. So speaking of that, I wanted to know, like, when you were watching this for the first time, do you remember, was there a moment where you realized that you loved this show? Like, this was the show that you really enjoyed and wanted to keep watching? If I had to say there was a point, I don't know if I can talk too much without spoilers but uh yeah i think it's the season finale of season two okay where you're just like oh my gosh they went there um but like me personally i'm a big fan of like falling in love with characters and then having horrible things happen to them (laughs) (laughs) so it's like i already started falling in love with them with season two and then horrible things started happening to them and i was like oh well now i gotta keep watching this show (laughs) Yeah, because I'm thinking back, because I know I didn't watch it as a kid, but I was aware of it. I saw the commercials on Cartoon Network, too, but it just didn't seem like my thing. Because I think about, like, the type of shows that I did watch, and there was, like, you know, your Animaniacs and um, Rocco's Modern Life and stuff like that. Yeah, I was definitely less into the goofy stuff and more into the drama stuff even back then. Right, because you were a Gargoyles fan. Oh, yeah, I was a huge Gargoyles fan. And Gargoyles is just drama, drama, drama every time. Were you a Batman the Animated Series kind of Oh, definitely. Batman the Animated Series for sure. Uh, X-Men the Animated Series where we got to just watch the Phoenix Saga happen. (laughs) Yeah, if there was drama happening, I I was all about it. Do you have an episode that you thought was the best episode of season one? And is it Enzo the Smart? (laughs) (laughs) I actually really liked this two-parter for different reasons. So, like, I was actually really engaged with the plot of these two-parter ones. But, yeah, like, in terms of just overall enjoyment, those top two that I mentioned before, I think Enzo the Smart and uh, the Great Brain Robbery were probably, like, made me laugh the most. Nice. I really liked this one, too. I thought the two-parter was really nice, and I liked seeing the drama. But... I think of the season, my favorite one is actually going to be the Tiff. 
Okay. I thought that was a really like just well put together episode. Yeah, the tip was solid. Yeah, it was it was nice and solid. We got to see that growth between the relationship between Bob and Dot. I know we personally got a, a lot of laughs out of Bob possibly being high for most of the episode. <laughs> that one just felt like it, it stood out from the crowd as like a really good one. I'm surprised you didn't go with the Wizards and Warriors one. That's definitely my second favorite. That one and the Crimson Binome, I think, might be vying for a second. Pixelacious! All right, so it's time for Bits and Bites. Um, what do you got for us this week? So we have two Bits and Bites that are actually related to each other. Uh, the first one is the penguin that you pointed out. So you recognize him. Yes, it's from Wallace and Gromit. It is. It's Feathers McGraw. From the wrong trousers. And this might be your second bit. Is it about the box? It is about the box. Yes. So in the original wrong trousers cartoon, there is a gag where Feathers is looking through a dog food box and uses the cutout eye holes to to peer through. And that's exactly what Fong does right after the penguin leaves. Yep. I love how he like drew a picture of Frisket on there so they could peek out. (laughs) So the next one is that when Don is looking in the mirror after she got shaved and barcoded there's some graffiti next to the mirror there that says the final shot of season one. Oh, really <laughs> and it's even got some caricatures there who i only can assume are animators so it's like the final shot rendered i assume so interesting yes and then finally dot's password is 71 117 97 114 100 105 97 and 110 which translated from ASC2 uh, or ASCII, I'm not sure how you say that, ASCII. is Guardian. It's Guardian? <laughs> it's Guardian. She still has not updated her password since she told the pirate about it. Oh no, Dot. So, uh, what do we have for the game this week? The Clown Funhouse. All right, so I found a few that included some creepy clowns. I found one called Kick, which is an arcade game where the player controls a clown on a unicycle. And it's actually like a Pac-Man game. Okay. There's like Pac-Man characters and some balloons. And the clown has to like knock them down while he's on the unicycle. It was later renamed Kickman. <laughs> and it was published for the Commodore 64. Then I found one that was Krusty's Funhouse, which is, yes, the Krusty from The Simpsons. It was originally released as something called Rat Trap on the Commodore Amiga, but then reskinned to be Krusty related. And you play a clown who goes through and tries to wrangle these rats throughout a, a warehouse. Uh, but you're in a fun house and you're playing a clown. So, you know, we're kind of there. Uh, this was back in 1992 and it was released for the Amiga, the NES, the IBM PC, the Sega Master System, and the Sega Game Gear, as well as a few other. And then I found one called the Kid Clown in Crazy Chase. (laughs) So this one had the racing aspect that we got to see. So you were playing like this little kid who was also a clown. (laughs) And you're kind of just running through this platform trying to get like coins and and jump over obstacles and stuff like that. So it was kind of reminiscent of what we get to see in this one. It came out in North America in 1994 and it uh, was for the Super NES. As for whether or not I would play it... Uh, probably not. <laughs> That'd be one of those games that like you get at a discount and like, like for like a couple bucks and then you never play it again. <laughs> yeah. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So Ben, did you have a frostiest moment for this episode? 
there is only one possible frosty moment for this episode, and it's that clown. <laughs> that first time you see that big, giant, gross clown head. The clown head of the tent, or the clown head of the user? No, the user. The yeah, user. the user's okay. giant. Like when when you first see him, and he's like, Bleh. yeah, that was definitely a moment. <laughs> uh, one of my nominees is also clown related, which is Dot and Bob trying to be serious as they run. <laughs> Those giant clown shoes. (laughs) Every time they ran, I was cracking up just because it looked so ridiculous. And I mean, intentionally so this time. Right. That was funny. But I think my frosty moment actually has to be future Enzo. One, because it's hilarious. Him trying to act all badass while still obviously being like 15-ish. He's got that peach fuzz. (laughs) Yes. Like you can't take him seriously with the little peach fuzz. Um so, like, that in and of itself was, was hilarious and great. But then you also get the foreshadowing there. I mean, the kid will get the scar. He's going to get the earring. <laughs> he's going to get the, the... He's going to get into leather. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really funny to see, like, that... No, this was really what he was going to be from the beginning. They knew what he they wanted him to be. Imagine, like, in, in his garage, he's got, like, a pinup of, like, Dot in the dress from Lost the Talent Night. Oh, no, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> well, that was my frostiest moment for this week. Yay! <laughs> now, we know we're not going to be back right away next week, but what are we looking forward to with season two? All right, so next episode is going to be um, us talking with Gavin. But the episode after that will be the first episode of season two, which is Infected. Uh, Megabyte manages to sneak his way into the principal office, uh, and we get an, an all-out battle between Bob, Dot, and Megabyte for control of mainframe, including a uh, sweet Dot as Ripley <laughs> moment. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you have any recommendations for this week, Ben? I'm going to recommend that you listen in next week as we talk to Gavin Blair. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything else because I, uh, I kind of used up my recommendations uh, in last week's episode. So. Uh, I'll recommend one more comic. Uh, it's called Witchy. It's a webcomic. Uh, you can see it on witchycomic.com. Uh, it's by Ariel Reese. Uh, and in it, it's the story of a witch kingdom of Hylian, uh, where the strength of your magic is determined by the length of your hair. And those that are strong enough are constricted into the witch guard. It's really good. The art reminds me a lot of, like, it's very Miyazaki-ish. It's really good, really fun. You should go check it out. All right. Sounds great. Well, as always, you can always find us online at IncomingGameCast.com, and we're on Twitter at IncomingGamePod, and Facebook as IncomingGameCast. Jessica always likes to post up uh, GIFs that are relevant to the episode that we just aired, and and at the same time, Gavin Blair, the co-creator, is always uh, tweeting interesting trivia facts at us, too. And, uh, you know, we always put out, like, a call for feedback and, like, our your questions. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, so you can find me at Stervino Lady. Uh, that's S-T-I-R. V-I-N-O, Lady. That's at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, etc. You can find me online at dudworks.com or at dudworks on Twitter and dudworksart on Facebook. Kevin McLeod does the theme music, Spasmatical Polka. Um, let's see. How are we going to end this this week? Oh, I know. Let's just cancel outros for good. <laughs> cancel outros for good? All right, guys. We'll see you in season two. Stay frosty. Game over. A user wins. And now, the conclusion of Incoming Game.
the final episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. No!